guest this week is Chris Hay. You can find Chris's website at loveworkrevolution.co. Chris did some exploration during his 30s right after selling his company. He now just turned 40 in November of 2020. And he's working on a new project, a new mastermind, if you will. He has an acronym for the project he's working on and the mastermind he's building, and it's HEART, H-E-A-R-T. H is heal and hear your heroic heart. E, explore your genius. A, accept your mission. R, rebirth yourself. T, take action and trust. I would encourage you to check out his website at loveworkrevolution.co and also get in touch with him at chris at loveworkrevolution.co. Please sit back and enjoy my conversation with Chris Hay. My guest today is Chris Hay. Chris and I hit it off really well on a completely unrelated conversation to what we're going to talk about today. And during that conversation, we realized that we both are really excited about the same thing. And so I wanted him to come on and talk to us about that. He's originally from New Zealand. He's coming to us now from Barcelona, Spain, where he currently lives. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Sure. Thank you so much. It's a great pleasure and honor to be here. And, uh, yeah, as as mentioned to you, I'm I'm deeply grateful, particularly because this is my first podcast guest appearance. So um, I'm I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm sure you'll go easy on me. You know, I've uh, I've got a lot of learnings that I've you know taken been been working on condensing down, and really excited to kind of to share with your audience and and beyond. So thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely, my pleasure. So uh, if, if most of the people have listened to any of my past podcasts, know that. For me, it's important to have the guest give their backstory so that we understand who you are, where you came from, and it sort of lays the foundation for the conversation that we're, you know, we're going to dig in deeper about all that you're doing now and the new exciting project that you're working on. So um, if you can, and this is great for me too, because you and I have only chatted a few times, but uh, it, it would be really cool to understand where Chris Hay came from and, and where Chris Hay is going. Yeah, absolutely. Th- thanks so much. Um, so, yeah, an interesting thing happened to me when I was thir- 31 years old. It was 2011, and I kind of feel like this is the beginning of the modern epoch of my life, if you like. Like everything that happened up until then was kind of a you know a dry run or whatever. And and then the, this one moment kind of feels like where I was sort of born again, if you like, uh, what would become the, I guess, like, you know, the middle part of my life or something like that. So basically, yeah, 2011, and I'm 31 years old, and I'm sitting on the beach in Bali, I've got a cocktail in my hand, looking out on the most spectacular sunset, and um, and I've come here to celebrate selling my business, which I've been working on all throughout my 20s, kind of leading up to this moment with this great anticipation that when I sell my business, you know, I'm going to have cash, and then cash will equate to happiness. And as I'm sitting there looking out on the sunset, I just feel dreadfully lost and empty and just completely uh, bamboozled, I guess you could say, for, for lack of a better word, that everything I've invested, all of my hopes and dreams that, you know, um, you know building up to this, this milestone and, and, and then cashing out was going to like bring all this happiness. And of course, 
it just doesn't. So as I as I sat there and over the next few days while I'm on this vacation, um, I really was reflecting on my the paradigm change that had happened in my brain because I realized that concurrently I'd lost you know my purpose and my reason for getting out of bed in the morning because previously I had this business. Now I'm like, what the hell am I going to do with the rest of my life? I'd also lost my identity to a large degree because you know I had been quite wrapped up and invested in this identity of being like this 20-something-year-old, you know, pretty successful entrepreneur. And now I'm kind of like, shit, I just I don't even know, you know, what I'm gonna do next and who knows how I'm gonna go about figuring that out. But perhaps more than anything, I realized that I've really lost my paradigm to how to how to find happiness, you know. Um and 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 I I I really believe that this is maybe not lasting forever, but like at least, you know, there's a golden glow that could last more than like five minutes or something like that. So as I reflected on all of that, I, you know, I, I was sort of thinking about like, okay, where do I go from here? And I knew that it had to be something entrepreneurial because I didn't want to go back and get a job, like working for the man. But I knew that it had to be about much more than just making money. You know, it had to be something much more impactful and meaningful and genuinely like helping people. Because my previous business, to be totally honest, like when I started it, I really was pretty much just thinking about, you know, the, the money. That was my main uh, motivation. So, you know, as I reflected on all of this and, um, you know, and, and kind of sat there on the, for the rest of this vacation, moping around, kind of feeling sorry for myself. Um, I really had no idea where to start and trying to figure out like how to rebuild my life. And uh, and so it began as uh, as I call it, as you know, I've heard other people refer to it as the dark night of the soul. You know, this uh, what turned out what turned out for me to be quite a long and painful, drawn out process that really, to be honest with you, um, lasted pretty much all of my 30s. You know, so I was 31 when I sold that business. Um, I turned 40 in this November just gone. And so really throughout my 30s was this really uh, intense and difficult period of introspection and, uh, and and figuring out all the elements that I don't like about myself and are there any elements that I do like about myself initially, you know, and then um, really learning deeply, but not just about myself, but about how I could uh, show up and, 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 and do work that I would love and have a positive impact in the world. Can I ask um, you one quick question? Yeah, yeah, of course. So so we hear this so often when someone that's successful, right? And we always, we hear from the wisdom of those who have accomplished something and they've reached some sort of financial stability. And then Mm -hmm. they, they get to that point or they get to that moment of what they call success, right? What they originally were striving for, which was, the money and then creating this entity and then potentially, right. You always, if you have a business, the goal is eventually to sell it and cash out on that and then maybe go to the next thing. Right. Mm -hmm. But we hear so often that people get to that spot, they sell, they have the financial freedom and then it doesn't, it's not what they thought it was going to be. And I think that the hard thing for people that maybe haven't gotten to that point yet. And the only reason I wanted to stop you here is because it, these things also get into my own brain. It's like, what was more painful, struggling financially or getting to the point where you had the money and then it wasn't all that it meant to be? Like, if you had the yeah, choice. That's a great question, man. No, that's so a, it's that's a really good question. So I guess like, like to reframe that question, what I'm hearing is like, what was the greatest challenge? Was it the struggle for money or was it the struggle for meaning, which came afterwards in my right. case, man? Yeah. Well, until I cashed out of that business, 
the money was the biggest struggle I'd ever had. You know, like struggling to build that business was the greatest challenge in my life that I'd had un until that time. But it was superseded by what came next, which was the struggle for meaning. And I think, I don't know, I mean, for some lucky people, this might come a lot more naturally than it did for me. You know, um, young people who are more successful than you and whatever metric you might, you know, uh, measure their success, whether it's financially or, um, or perhaps, you know, a more holistic, uh, congruent measure of successes, you know, like is how well they've found their passion or their purpose or, and, and ideally, um, you know, a combination of those two things, if they found like their, their passion, their purpose, and they're doing well financially out of it. I mean, that's the, that's the gold standard, right? Like, I think that's what we're all aiming for. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, um, making money, making money was, was hard. Um, making, making money or like making it even just, you know, a, an income or, uh, you know, a comfortable income that's good enough to, to live off and whatnot, uh, doing what you truly feel like you were born to do is, I would say in some ways more challenging because it requires that you know yourself at a much deeper level, which can only happen with great introspection and, uh, and over time. But in some ways, it's easier when you find it because, uh, you know, you might, you know, you hear people say that if you, you, you find, the, um, find the work that you're supposed to do or uh, find work that you love and it will never feel like you work another day in your life, right? Mm -hmm. So um, as you, I think as you get closer to finding, um, as you sniff it out and you're on the trail and you're kind of getting closer and closer and closer with the various projects that you might be engaged in, and um, and honing in on the work that you're truly born to do that feels like play for you and makes you come alive, then um, then it, I guess that part of it gets easier. And then you've just got to try to like build your skill level to to a standard where the the world will reflect the value back to you in the form of financial remuneration, if that makes sense. So that's a very long way of asking your questions. I would I mean to to to, to recap that I guess. Easier in some ways and, and more challenging in other ways, but certainly requires a much deeper level of self-awareness, I think, which probably, you know, is, takes longer to get to than just yeah. like how to we, you know, get a, get a product designed in China and sell it on Amazon, for example. No disrespect to people doing that, but I mean, yeah. Some people possibly will struggle their whole life and, and it's unfortunate and, and, and I meant that like financially or also that they're not doing what they were meant to do on this earth, right? So the choice is if you gave someone the choice of saying, okay, you can have, you can, and, and the struggles usually are the financial part of it, the, your health, mm -hmm. and then it's whether or not you enjoy your life, right? And that means you're doing something that resonates with your soul, right? Maybe those are the, you know, there's probably more, I mean, there's a million books yeah. and, but if I think about myself, it's like, okay, I have my health, I love a lot of the things that I'm doing and I might not be at the financial level that I want, but I think if I, if I have the choice, I'd rather be where I am and, and, and do this than to be financially free, but hate what I have to wake up and do every day. Right. So, and I think the problem is, is until you get to the point where maybe you got to, where you sold a company and you had some financial freedom when people hear someone like you say, Hey, you know, I sold my company, not just you. I mean, anybody, I sold my yeah. company 
and I, I made a lot of money and I got to the end goal of what I set out to do. And at the end, I wasn't happy. And, and mm-hmm. if okay. someone hasn't Maybe. done that, they have a hard time yeah. relating they, to it. They, they, they can't, can't resonate with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, another way to put it is like at the end of last year, no, the year before last now, so coming into 2020, um, oh, let me sort of zoom out again for a second that like, this wasn't a one and done for me, you know, like after, after I sold the business and, and had this experience of kind of like reaching an extrinsic goal and, um, and, and finding that, it, you know, this, this feeling of emptiness on the other side of it, like you would think that that would be enough to kind of knock, knock, knock that paradigm cleanly out of my head and replace it with the new paradigm of only do things that are intrinsically rewarding, uh, which by the way, you know, science, science has found that uh, intrinsically rewarding tasks, things that you would do, um, you know, even, um, you know, that, that, that are rewarding in their own right, is like a deeper, richer, more rewarding motivation that leads to greater happiness. So if you can find, if you can, if you can pursue that, then you will be happier. Even you don't have to get to the, the high paying job in order to realize that it's empty, just, you know, research around, uh, like, uh, for example, is it Daniel Pink's book, uh, Motivation 3.0, where he talks about, about intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. So if you understand that you'll have a, a, a richer, better life experience by being driven by uh, things like purpose and mastery uh, and autonomy, then, you know, you can, you can build that into your job crafting if you're employed or into your business if you're an entrepreneur. So you don't necessarily have to get to that milestone and, and realize that it's empty. But I, but I started out uh, by talking about how, um, you know, you'd think that having this experience once at such a deep level would be enough to kind of totally rewire your brain that you wouldn't make the same mistake again. But for me, at least, and I think that it's common a lot in our culture, we're so hardwired to be motivated by extrinsic motivators, money, you know, the trappings of success, cars, houses, da, 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 that um, it's very, that I, I didn't just learn it once. You know, like this has been kind of like the, the, the lesson of my lifetime. Like and after I sold that business and I vowed to myself that whatever I did next had to be about more than just the money, you know, it had to be more meaningful. Um, I was still, for the several years that came up, that still uh, tantalized, if you like, and um, uh, uh, tempted by lucrative opportunities, you know, and I spent... Yeah countless lost months and, and cumulatively years kind of going down rabbit holes, just like, oh, this looks like a, you know, an interesting uh, business idea, which is just financially motivated and whatnot. So uh, I got to the point anyway, where I, year before last, uh, vowed, or at least my newest resolution was to remove all extrinsic goals and replace them with one goal, which was in a piece, because I think that we oftentimes put in a piece or happiness on the other side of extrinsic goals, right? Like when I achieve this milestone, then I'll feel happy. Mm-hmm. And, and and when we do that, we, um, you know, we rob ourselves of happiness here and now, right? And and so that's a trap that I've found myself falling into time and time again. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not alone, you know? And so now, um, and, and when we, you know, we have these big lofty goals, it, it creates a friction as well, you know, like where we, where the goal is and where we are now. And then at least all of these feelings of inadequacy and lack of self-worth because I'm not quote unquote there yet. You know what I mean? So um, I'm still kind of trying to get my head up on this, to be honest, at the, at the deepest level. But I think that 
it's about kind of holding um, holding space for ideas that you you know and and visions that you might have that you want to achieve, but also um, kind of less, being less attached to them, I guess you know, so that they don't rob you of your happiness here and now, and above all else, being present and being grateful for the moment and. And I've found as well, and spoken to a lot of other people who kind of had the shared experience as well, of like the, the more we do that and remove ourselves from this relentless rushing towards a goal that may or may not ever eventuate and leaning into the future and at the cost of sacrificing our happiness here and now, that um, the, the, yeah, the, the more we stay present, the more kind of you know, without getting too woo-woo, the, the more kind of magic shows up in our lives. Like, first of all, we just appreciate the moment more. So maybe, I don't know, you take time to go for a walk in the morning and smell the fresh air and admire, you know, your your neighbor's uh, flower garden or, or whatever it might be. So you, you notice those things. But also, and yeah, this is, you know, this is, as mentioned, kind of borderline on woo-woo, but like magic can sometimes show up, you know, like synchronicities and whatnot. And uh, yeah, so there's, there's one grand synchronicity that kind of unfolded in my life, uh, which led to uh, a, a deeper understanding of my work and uh, my, 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 my greatest gift that I feel that I've received and that I can kind of share with others. So if you, if you want to go there, I'm going to share that story with you as well. Yeah. So, be, you know, because I kind of interrupted you because I wanted to clarify that, you know, you've you've seen both sides. Not everybody, I guess that was my point. Not everybody sees, gets to both sections, right? They either, yeah. and, and and if they do that, like you said, they're, they're, you know, they're either really happy doing what they're doing. And it, it, I think it comes when you're, you're serving others where it's in alignment with yourself, right? So if you, if you figured it out, which is really hard to do, but once you do and you can stick with it, and not have it be like, you know, the way our world runs right now to be present and all the things you're talking about and to be still and to leave space, super tough, right? We have so many things coming at us and and we're told to, you know, that you have to be really active out in the world of social media and, and, and I, I'm just Correct. as guilty as the next person. But so it's really hard to wake up and take that walk yeah. and walk yeah. past the flower and actually <clears throat> smell it. And it's just, it, it doesn't exist. It's really hard, right? So I yeah. interrupted you when you were talking about how once you sold your company, there was through your thirties, you just felt like you were still trying to figure out how to find this, this spark, this bliss, this inner peace, right? So I guess that's where we're at now because I so really yeah. interrupted you, but I wanted no, to ask that cool. question. That's cool. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, let me come back because I, I like I got one other thought that kind of might help put a bow on this. You know, this concept of um, you know what um, you know if if you haven't kind of if you haven't if you don't feel like you've made it financially yet, how does that reconcile with you know the, the experience that I was sharing? One way to look at it, I guess, is like Maslow's hierarchy, right? Which at the base of the hierarchy are you know like food, clothing, shelter. All of those things, right? And then at the at the top is uh, self actualization, and in fact above that is self transcendence, which is another category that he kind of added to the to the um, pyramid in his in his twilight years, which is kind of little known and underreported in management textbooks, but is an interesting concept that maybe we'll come back to later. Um, and and so there's no doubt that if you haven't 
made enough cost-based financial needs yet, then you're not going, you know, then the crisis of meaning is going to mean much less to you, right? Because you've you, you got to cover those basic physiological needs first. And so in, a, in, a, in, a, in some ways, it's like a first world problem, I guess, to a degree, to have like a crisis of meaning. Um, but I still believe, as did Maslow, that, you know, if you are lucky enough to supersede the baseline financial needs, and, and if you don't feel like you've made it there yet, I would encourage you to reflect on if you, you know, if you really do need all of the things that you currently pay money for, because, you know, we get caught up in trappings and spend a lot of money on unnecessary things, maybe you can live on much less and then and use some of your spare time instead of working to pursue things that are truly deeply meaningful to you. And as, as, uh, as you said, Joe, like figuring out how you can be of service to others while serving yourself as well, rather than sacrificing yourself to serve others. Uh, but at the top of Maslow's hierarchy, which is the apex of the human experience, really, is this uh, self-transcendence through giving yourself to a, um, as Viktor Frankl said, he's got a great quote where he says, self-actualization is possible only as a side effect of self-transcendence. Um, so you can only become your best self by losing yourself in service to a cause greater than yourself, essentially. Yep. Um, yeah, that's yeah. perfect. Okay, so you're now, when did you- Back to the story. Back to the story. So when did you get over that hump, let's call it? Yeah, so uh, to be honest, like I'm still getting over it. I feel like, um, you know, it's an ongoing journey for me, but there was one moment of kind of like a pivotal kind of, I guess, turning moment um, where I was at a personal development event in Hawaii and we were asked, actually, Patrick Combs, I was at one of his retreats in Hawaii, and he was leading an exercise where he had us uh, write our eulogy from the perspective of living essentially our best life from, from this point forward. And, you know, it had been a really busy day, and it was last thing at night, like, the you know, it was dark dark outside and, um, and dark inside as, as, uh, as, as we lay there on, on, the, on the ground and these little torch pen lights and uh, to, to write out whatever would come to us um, in terms of how would we want to be remembered from, from that point, you know, um, at our eulogy, having lived our best, our best life from that point forward. And so I tried to empty my mind out. And really the only thing that came to me, you know, as I reflected on it is really like, I, I really believe that love is, you know, the universal connector, the one thing that we all share in common. And so I just wrote Chris touched a hundred million. And I thought I'll, I'll dream big, you know, a hundred million people, with love in this lifetime. And then I thought, oh man, this is my one chance to dream really big. So I added, added an extra zero or zeros. So I made it like Chris touched 1 billion people with love in this lifetime. And then, and I didn't really know exactly what they meant. I still don't really, but like, as I read it out and we were given the opportunity to share um, with, with, with the rest of the group. And as I read it out, I felt this wave of embarrassment, like rush over me, like, oh my God, I just made this total fool of myself. Like, who had a dare to dream so big that I could possibly impact a, a billion people? Oh my God, I'm totally ashamed. And so, fortunately, it was the last it was the last exercise of the day, and I like scurried back to my room and kind of like hid under my pillow, pretty much. <laughs> and um, and then I woke up the next morning, and I was still right, really grappling with the sense of shame and embarrassment of having you know read this out and kind of dreamed this big. And so I went for a run down to the beach and did a meditation on the beach. And then on the way back, I had to stop through a public restroom. And, um, and and I'm standing at the urinal of all places and I looked up on the wall and someone had drawn a love heart with wings 
And I was just like, whoa, that's kind of weird. And then I like, and I looked around the, the bathroom and actually someone had drawn love hearts all over the wall because I hadn't noticed coming in. And so I kind of walked out of there with my head spinning. It's like, what the hell? You know, like, what, what does this mean? And, um, you know, and I grew up in like a, a very scientifically minded family. And so, you know, they can encourage not to believe in woo-woo stuff or synchronicities and that kind of thing. So, and of course, you know, my, my left brain is kind of screaming pattern recognition bias, you know, like human, the brain is programmed to recognize you know, things like that. Where, and then but as I reflected on it, you know, maybe the uh, right hemisphere of my brain or maybe just my desire to kind of believe or make sense of things. But I guess, you know, I kind of chose to adopt that event as some kind of affirmation, you know, a potential affirmation from the universe that go all in, you know, like it was, I let my mind go empty the night before when I had, you know, like tried to think about what, how I wanted to be remembered. And, and it felt like it was source or, you know, the universe kind of speaking to me and planting this, um, planting this idea of just really love, love is the most important thing. And I think that is, you know, I'm not sure if it's, um, but whenever, like I meditate a lot, right? And, and when I meditate, I feel what can only be described as love, you know, and people will get that through prayer and maybe being in nature, watching a sunset, that kind of thing. But when you stop thinking and your mind goes totally empty, you know, it's serene, it's blissful, it's beautiful. And it feels to me like I can't think of a better word other than love, right? And so I don't know if love is um, fabric of the cosmos or the some underlying kind of fabric of human consciousness or, or both of those things. I'm not really sure, but there's something mystical about it, you know, and um, and so I, yeah, I chose to adopt this as uh, as part of my story. And as I reflected on it um, more, I I kind of thought, well, you know, not only does this do I take this as an affirmation that uh, the, that I should pursue love and trying to make make the world a more loving place, but I, I thought this this love heart with wings is an interesting motif because it um, you know a love heart with wings is, it's ascending somewhere. It invites following. And as I reflected on it, I, I thought of this uh, Steve Jobs quote that uh, was one of the first videos that I, like self-development kind of videos that I watched after I came home from, from that vacation in Bali selling my business all those years earlier. And, um, you know, he has this, this great commencement speech at, uh, at Stanford, I think, where he says, this above all else. Follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know who you truly want to become. And, and as I reflected on that, I was like, damn, you know, through all of these trials and tribulations of my 30s, trying to figure out who I am, how I can show up, how I can help other people. Like, there's one thing I can put my hand on my heart and say is that I really did follow my heart, you know. And so, um, and then I was on a flight. And you know how you get those quiet times on flights where you might be doing some journaling or whatever, and, you, you know, you just kind of get these flashes of inspiration. And, um, and so I started to etch out uh, what would become this framework around like how to follow your heart and everything I learned about that. So I made it around an acronym for heart. So H is heal and hear your heroic heart. And E is explore your genius. A is accept your mission. R is rebirth yourself. And T is take action and trust. And so, yeah, like five modules and um, I've really just been the greatest joy of my life to try to condense down uh, everything that I've learned over, you know, the last decade. And, um, 
and try to make something beautiful out of it, you know, out of all of that struggle. And I guess that kind of relates back to your initial question, you know, is it easier to, to make money or to make meaning? And, um, and I guess tied to that is like, you know, what's, what's more gratifying. And in my experience, you know, like this is, this is brand new and I'm actually looking for beta test uh, people to, to kind of, you know, come and uh, be guinea pigs with me. But uh, this has been the most meaningful and interesting and kind of validating experience of my life, I guess, to, to, to get this stuff, to, to get everything I've learned ready to teach. Yeah, that's awesome. So ultimately, you're going to, I know we're gonna, you're going to think of a name for, for all of this, or you have ideas, but it, you know, we're, we're, like you said, as being transparent, this is new and, and we didn't want to like force some yeah. sort of title to this, but you, you, you have it. Maybe, most... maybe it's like, maybe it's like your, your heart's path to your greatest destiny, or I'm playing with like, um, discover your destiny or, you know, yep. um, something like that. Now, but I guess this... one, 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 one of the pieces that I left out is like, you know, this thing about the love and making the, making the world a more loving place and following your heart is that I think like love is the language of the heart, right? And I think that when you follow your heart, when you follow your heart and you find the work that you feel called to do, that can be your greatest conduit, one of your greatest conduits for love, right? So you, you create that work for the motivation of love and you serve, I think you, you, you end up like serving people who, 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 who resonate with your story and to appreciate what you've gone through and are probably going through something similar. And so you have empathy for them uh, in, their, in their case and you want to help them. And so it, that feels like love to me. And so really like, you know, your vocation can become, you know, like one of your one of the greatest vehicles that you have for manifesting love. And so if you believe that, as I do, that you know that love is the uh, a solution to most of the world's problems. Then I believe that by following your heart to find your ultimate uh, the vocation that brings you to life the most can be uh, your you know your heart. Your heart knows the way to, uh, as Steve Jobs says, who you truly want to become, but also how we can create a more loving world in the process. Yeah, and it's really interesting that I know as young adults and, and I've, I've put up posts about this at, on certain Facebook groups that I'm in and I've reflected on this a lot, um, which is in the day and age that we're in now, there seems like we are we're constantly trying to fix something that's broken, right? And, and it's mm -hmm. using, and I'm talking individuals, right? I'm saying that we, mm -hmm. we get to a certain point and we realize, like you, when you sold your company, like many of us, when we hit certain points in our life, that this isn't right. This doesn't feel right. It's not making me happy. All of the things that go through your head. And I keep thinking, God, I wish we could just get to the young adults earlier. Like just this whole thing shifts from where it is here all the way, like, like just take anything that any of the people that you and I know are doing or the people like, like Tony Robbins, the work that he does, Dean Graciosi, you know, uh, Pat, the work Patrick's doing with Eric. If we could take all of that and just slide it earlier and just, and I know that at certain point, 
the young minds are not, they don't have the attention span for their, they are, don't have the interest in it. They're not mature enough to understand it yet, but there's gotta be a point where if we took all of this and just brought it way earlier in the lifespan of a human and just got mm. to young people early and said, listen, before you get to the, where all of the rest of the, not everybody's like that. Some people just find what they were meant to do at a really young age and are happy and life is grand. I would say the majority don't. They, they wander around really lost for a really long time. And the only thing that they always seem to gravitate to is making money. It's all financial. Yeah. And, and, just, and so they go down this path and then they come to realize later in life that that didn't work. But then now we're in like repair mode, right? Instead, it's like, God, if we could just figure out a way to guide young people to say, listen, we can tell you now that money's not the answer. It's following your heart. It's being nice to people and loving and caring and empathetic and transparent and having integrity and all of those things that, that if you could learn those and navigate that, all the rest will come to you because you're deserving of it, you know, but it's just, it's such a frustrating thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it re- reminds me of a story. Uh, one of my friends, Raj John, he has a, a similar kind of story. He has a wildly successful uh, coffee company and business empire really at this stage, but um, he was working for an oil company when he graduated college and one of his mentors within the company was a guy who was around 60 or something like that. And, really didn't have a huge passion for the work, but he had uh, he had a, another interest outside of work, which I don't think it was now, but it was maybe it was, I don't know, like work, work or, you know, something more tactile that he wanted to do with his hands. And he was always telling himself, I'm going to do this when I retire, you know, bring it up, yeah. you know? and then he, and then he passed away, like at, at age 60 or whatever, and never reached retirement, you know, and for my friend Raj, um, that was it, you know, and that was like, that was, that was all the, you know, all he needed to kind of be like, I'm not, falling into that trap, you know, life is for the living. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and then the, the kind of take back on what you started out by saying where, um, you know, if we could only get this information into, you know, into people's kids younger. Um, if you're younger and you're listening to this, the one thing that I, I guess, would encourage you to do uh, as well as following your heart, or maybe even kind of in tandem with that, or another way to frame it, or it even comes before really following your heart. And following your heart is kind of a, you know, a slightly amorphous kind of uh, thing to say. I'm cognizant of that. Um, but I think following your curiosity is a great a great place to start. And so, like, for me, having sold the, you know, my real estate business, and then um, – I had no idea that I was going to wind up essentially in the personal development space. You know, like where I come from in New Zealand, I had never met a life coach in my life. You know what I mean? I didn't, it didn't even really register for me that that was a viable career option. Um, so for, it took me a long time to put them two together and go, oh my God, like what if I could teach everybody or what if I could teach people going through a similar, you know, midlife crisis for like a better word or, um, you know, similar kind of dark night of the soul or uh, similar challenges everything I've learned, how gratifying that would be, um, you know, it took me a long time to get to that place. And I would, but I wouldn't have got there had I not followed my curiosity and my curiosity in the first place was for personal development content. And so after I sold that business, came back, watched that Steve Jobs video. And, um, and that was a tip of the iceberg, you know, like the, the next several years were just 
a whole ton of uh, personal development books and YouTube videos and you know, everything I could get my hands on to try to figure out myself and, uh, and, and, and so following my curiosity. So whatever your curiosity is, you know, um, I, I read a, or sorry, I, looked, I heard a, an awesome video uh, interview with Common, the, you know, rap artist Common, uh, just a couple of days ago when I was out walking my baby and uh, he was talking about like this, these same concepts of essentially service, you know, being of service and finding your greatest gifts and using them to be of service to others. And he was saying, you know, he started out in music because he enjoyed it, you know, and it, it was for him, it was therapeutic, it was cathartic, it was fun, it was playful. Um, and I guess he was following his own curiosity. And if people say follow your passion, I'm like, I don't know what my passion is. What are you curious about? You know, like what are the books you read? Uh, what are the experiences you'd love to have? Where might you love to travel? Uh, who would you love to speak to if you had the opportunity? You follow your curiosity. And so Common followed his, uh, you know, his passion for music, his curiosity and for music, and, and then realized how it could benefit other people, you know, how their audience were reacting to it, and how it was obviously resonating with them and giving them, you know, uh, an emotive experience and uh, and giving giving his audience joy. And then ultimately, you know, the cash comes as a result of that. So that's like one of the really key interesting models that I discovered along the way as well. Um, I need to look back up who the TED talk was from, but uh, I saw this one TED talk and the guy was talking about basically the the default model that we have in society for happiness essentially is wrong. You know, it's based around do, have, be. So it's like, if you think of that and like you, you do whatever it takes to have the stuff that you think you need, you know, houses, cars, material possessions, in order to be happy, right? Mm -hmm. But um, but if you flip that around, there's, a, there's, a, there's another uh, interesting model which I would advocate for, which is be, do, have. And so I'll explain that. So essentially it's be happy now. And, you know, the research, uh, cutting edge uh, positive psychology research actually shows that when we are happy here and now, happiness and optimism fuels performance and achievement. So if you're interested in that, you can look up a book called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Accor, where he really dives deeply into that and how it reminds us when, yeah, when we show up in a, in a happy, optimistic state, we're just, we're primed to perform, you know, we're more open-minded, we're more creative, all that stuff. So be happy now, like, and don't put happiness or inner peace on the other side of uh, extrinsic goals, you know, have just grant yourself happiness now and then find, uh, and so then, so that's be, and then the next step is do so shorthand for do what you love and if you don't know what it is that you love to do yet i would say you know follow that curiosity until you find it and when you do what you love ultimately you'll as steve Jobs says you'll you know um as with all matters of the heart you'll know when you find it and mehai csikszentmihalyi has a, a wonderful book called flow where he talks about you know this the flow state that uh that athletes get in when they're playing that painters are in when they're painting musicians are in when, when they're making music but also you know, in other professional fields that are less kind of elite that everyone could find themselves doing, like, you know, a chef can be in flow when they're cooking or a coder is in flow when they're, when they're coding and a designer is in flow when they're designing. And uh, people who, you know, have podcasts uh, are probably in flow when they're in conversation. And so through that flow state is where we create our best work, you know, so... If you can find work that you 
if you can find work that brings you into flow in that flow state uh, where time disappears and you and you kind of lose focus or lose touch with the outside world and you're just lost in in the work like that is that's when you know you're you're on on the right path um, and you know that's that work that will never feel like work it really feels like play and so then the final stage of this model you know be happy now do the work that you love or do the work that brings you into flow and then have and and so you know the key thing with the have and in, in, in this model this is the first one where you're doing whatever is necessary in order to have now you're you're happy and you're doing what you love and the have part kind of like follows you you know magnetizes into you because you're doing your best work mm-hmm. which is in flow and then eventually sooner or later when you gain a certain degree of competence at that work the world will reward you because people will take notice and they'll be like, holy crap, like, you know, Joe's, Joe's podcast is amazing. And, you know, this other work that Joe does that he obviously loves doing and shows up to with immense passion is like so inspiring. I want to be a part of that. Like, tell me how I can be one of Joe's clients, you know? Uh, and, you know, the, 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 the money kind of gets magnetized to you rather yeah. than becomes a byproduct rather than you're, you're going out to get the money. You're, you're going out to do what you love and be of service. And, 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 and yeah, yeah. yeah, it's very interesting because I'm doing some work now in my own career. And part of it is the piece with Russell Bronson. Um, and, and he just talks it like he literally today's live webinar that we did, he literally got on there and right out of the gate, he was like, I, if you are here to make money, you're in the wrong place. It was, he's like, I am here to get you to shift your mindset and to figure out what it is that you are here to do and how you're here to serve others. He goes, and when you figure that piece out, all of the rest falls into place. And it's, and it's kind of like the whole thing where the universe gives you more of what you, you know, what you think about and what you are attracted to. And so if you are attracted to complaining and feeling like you you know woe is me and all of those things that's what it delivers more of right so if you shift it and and say listen the more and more people i can help the more and more love i can spread the more and more Mm. um whatever all of that goodness just it it just naturally happens right and then all the other things fall into place but it's just it's really hard for us where we are in our lives again god if i only knew that 20 years ago you know, or 30 or whatever. I just, it's, it, that's, what's really frustrating. So for sure. Yeah. But I want to get back yeah. to what, so what you're doing, this work that you're doing and what you're about to offer to the world and present, right. What, in what form is this going to be? in? is it, is it going to be a, a, a when you said you want beta testers, is, is this mm-hmm. a course that you're going to run people through? Um, is it, yeah. is, you know, explain that piece of it to me. Yeah, for sure. So I'm thinking probably a 90-day program. Okay. 90 days and like uh, be a small group, you know, maybe looking for five or 10 people and uh, and basically, yeah, just a, uh, a, a donation more or less if you like, you know, it's not about the money, but I think if somebody pays, you know, some money at least, um, you know, they'll, they'll show up in a more committed way. So whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, essentially what, whatever people are can afford or are comfortable with, you know, I think it's such an important material that you know and my passion is to to get it out to you know to whoever um and, and not let people be hamstrung if they you know if they if they have limited financial means so you know some some very fair price point and uh 
and yeah, I think a, I think a 90 day program to start with is enough to really get people pretty deeply seeped in the concepts and really understand all the stuff at a deep level. And uh, and then yeah, if you want to go deeper longer, then you know of course you can do you know do a do a one year thing or just even a month or whatever. So. And what's the uh, product going to look like? Is it going to be like in a Facebook group? Is it on your website? Is it some piece of software yeah. you've developed? Or uh, uh, it's just it basically be kind of like a mastermind, you know, where uh, in a group group training kind of environment where um, so we'll have a, a small group and and just meet every week, once a week or ninety days, and then yeah, we'll have like a Facebook group. But yeah, so there are these five modules where we'll be uh, chip, chipping away, moving through these through heal and hear your heroic art. And so just real quickly, like what I mean by some of these words, like your heroic art, like uh, you're familiar with the hero's journey? Heard, I, uh, Joseph I, Campbell's hero's journey. Yes. So like Star Wars and every major blockbuster movie is basically written according to this format where there's a hero and they're, you know, they're at home, they're in their safe, nice warm bed, more or less, you know, like the hobbits in, in the Shire. And then, some there's some catalyst and they're called to adventure and then they go out where they meet allies and enemies and face obstacles and overcome these and in the process they gain deep kind of awareness of self and and ultimately uh face their biggest fears and then come back uh return home essentially with the power to uh bestow on their common man as joseph gamble would put it and so it comes from all of humanity's oldest mythology and whatnot so joseph campbell wrote a book called the hero with the power places where he kind of discovered all of this and then lucas was it lucas who created star wars uh was one of the first to really adopt it into, into a major motion picture but it's a really interesting frame uh, sort of lens to view your life through you know um and i uh, i guess i argue that it's not just for the movies but i mean there's a reason why we kind of resonate with the heroes in movies because you know we you know we admire their courage and and and, and their following of their heart really to uh you know, to face their demons and ultimately return home, kind of a bigger, better vision of themselves and able to help uh, help their fellow people. And so Harold Dweck did a lot of work around the growth mindset and growth versus fixed mindset and how basically if you think you can, if you think you can't, you can't, if you think you can, you can, and, mm-hmm. uh, and the difference between, you know, fixed and a growth mindset. And I, I would argue that this is, you know, viewing yourself, viewing your... Um, as Joseph Campbell puts it, um, that you are the hero of your own life story. And so I believe that viewing yourself in this light or even just playing with this concept of like viewing yourself as the hero of your own life's journey and that you have to face these titanic uh, challenges and surmount them and then how can you grow and what do you learn as a result of that and how can you benefit benefit other people with what you learn as you go through this personal growth. Like viewing your life as... uh, through the hero's journey lens is, I would say, the ultimate growth mindset. And then there's a lot of insights. So the, the H is heal and hear your heroic heart. I've just touched on heroic. The heal and hear is like, heal is, um, you know, they say we can only love others as much as we love ourselves, right? So this is like developing self-love and really um, becoming more compassionate with yourself and improving your internal narrative and and, and yeah, being more loving to yourself so that then when you find, uh, when you move through the, through the process and the program and you figure out, you know, the work that's really yours to do, you'll be showing up seven from a place of love. And then to hear your heart, you know, this is around like tapping into uh, your inner wisdom through journaling and meditation and stuff like that. 
and then explore your genius and some of the stuff that we've already talked on a little bit um, around discovering your superpowers or your zone of genius, as Gary Hendricks put it, as opposed to your zone of excellence and uh, zone, zone of competence and so on, which is so like separating out like what you're truly genius at, uh, which are those activities that bring you into flow most often and kind of do everything you can to structure your your work life around those tasks and get rid of everything that drags you out of that. And then um, accepting your mission is built around, you know, something else we already touched on a little bit around like Maslow's hierarchy and how we can only, uh, self-actualization is possible only as a side effect of self-transcendence. So to, to serve and to truly contribute to others is how we, you know, how we can be out ourselves. And we see this in our political leaders and so on. If you think of like Nelson Mandela, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, some of these people, these icons who we really admire. Um, what do we admire about them? We admire how much they've been of service to other people and the impact that they've had, right? But it's not only political leaders, also, you know, business leaders, some of the great business leaders, for example, Elon Musk um, said that coming from PayPal, he thought to himself, uh, what are some of the other problems that are most likely to impact the future of humanity? Not thinking what's the best way to make money. You know, and interesting, I read an article a couple of days ago where he says surpassed Jeff Bezos as the world's most wealthy individual. Um, you know, obviously on the rise of the electric car and stuff, but everything's happening with the climate. But so, yeah, accepting your mission is about like figuring out how can you, um, how can you serve? And, you know, what's, is there a cause that you might give your life for ultimately? You know, what do you care about more than you care about yourself? You know, what would you do even if you knew you would fail kind of thing? You know, like what's mm -hmm. that? mission that's so big that you could spend the rest of your life pursuing it and, and still be satisfied even if you didn't fully realize it but contributed towards towards it and then the r stands for rebirth so a rebirth is really just like stepping into that new identity because there's a lot uh you know people will know you as they've always known you and expect you to always be who they always thought what you were kind of thing but when you step into your life's greatest work uh you know a lot of that has to change and so uh, dealing with the fallout of some of those relationships that might need to change and, and and also how to pursue the new relationships that will pull you forward and surround yourself with, you know, people who won't let you fail. And then finally, take action and trust. So that's kind of what it sounds like, you know, the take action piece is around like holding each other accountable and having, um, you know, some part of this program will obviously have accountability groups and have the, having that positive peer pressure of having to show up and and did you or did you not do the thing that last week you said you were going to do that was going to move the needle forward on, on your most uh, most important projects? And then and then there's trust and you know, finally just trusting. And and I guess that's the, the slightly mystical piece, you know. And uh, when I talk about the trust, you know, I I talk about that event that happened to me in Hawaii and how it invited me to trust, you know, to put aside my rational, left brain, scientific thinking mind and believe that just maybe, you know, the universe might be conspiring to bring great things about for people who have public intentions. So yeah, that's it. That's awesome. And I guess it's safe to say you're in rebirth mode, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm in rebirth. <laughs> yeah, you got it, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Um, okay. So, uh, what is the website URL? I'm going to put it all in the notes, but I just want to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, love work revolution. So love work revolution. And so the word revolution is, you know, is an interesting one. I've sort of talked about how I think by following your heart, you can uh, find a work that you love and that will bring more love into the world. 
And then, you know, the revolution piece is um, Gallup, which is a, a big research institute there in the States, uh, did a really a, a massive survey where they inter uh, interviewed hundreds of thousands of people and found that I think it was 87%, I could be slightly wrong on that, in the 80s, so 80 something percent, 86, 87, of people are either um, disengaged or like actively disengaged in their work, you know, so there's so many, that's a disaster, not only for the personal suffering of all those people who have to show up for work that they hate every day, mm -hmm. but the, the, the untapped human potential that's just going to waste because people are sitting there like not really giving a crap about like what they do and uh and just you know and at the same time you know humanity faces all these immense difficulties and challenges that we you know that we face globally around like climate change and poverty and all these really meaningful causes that people could engage with and, and make a positive difference but instead we're languishing doing jobs that we don't care about and um, Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Tipping Point, found that there's a, there's a kind of a magic number around like 20% of like when 20% of people uh, latch onto an idea, then it, it, it reaches a tipping point and can spread through the rest of the community. So I mean, the margin of people who are disengaged in their work in the high 80s and the number of people who need to be, you know, to find and do work they love in order to create a, a revolution or a tipping point and like where we can see some a sea change where it could ripple through the rest of the population is around 20%. So there's only about 6% of people that we have to move to find work that they love and, and create a more loving world. So that's why loveworkrevolution.co. Awesome. awesome. Okay, cool. So I'll put that in the show notes. Um, if someone wants to become a part of this, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, just shoot me an email. Just Chris, C-H-R-I-S, at loveworkrevolution.co. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. And then uh, I'll get all of this in the show notes. And um, I wish you luck with this. I know this this is it for you. I can tell how it comes out right. of you. I see your eyes light up and you and I just you just know, right, that this is what you've wanted to do and this is um this this speaks to you. So and uh, I think it's gonna be amazing. I'm I'm glad that you've decided to do this and I look forward to seeing this uh, blossom and help a lot of people out there. Thank you, Joe, like uh, so much today. You know, today's been a big deal for me. As mentioned, this is my first uh, podcast interview talking about this stuff. So uh, yeah, I just really appreciate you creating the space and letting me connect with your audience. And as you mentioned, you know, this, you know, you can tell that this is it for me. And it really is, you know, this is the, the last 10 years of my life kind of accumulating and coming full circle into, uh, you know, and, and, and my way of making meaning and purpose and sense out of all of the struggle of the last 10 years. So I'm, you know, needless to say, I'm deeply passionate about this and intend to do this for a very long time. And so I look forward to several years from now when, you know, you and I can catch up and have a beer together and say, hey, remember that time I was on your, you know, your, yeah. I was my, my first ever podcast with you. So yeah, I really appreciate you having me, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's absolutely my pleasure. Glad to be here in the beginning of all this. So I actually get to see it turn into something great and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So Chris, thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's uh, late there in, in Barcelona. It's probably been a long day for you 
And it was really nice to talk with you. And I'm super, super excited about this for you. And again, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Thank you. Peace and love, Joe, and to your yeah. audience. Thanks for listening. Yeah, man. Okay, we'll talk soon. Thank you. All right. Okay, okay. bye for now. Bye-bye. I'm very honored that you are listening to my podcast. And if you really like what you are hearing, please rate it. And if you have the time to write a review, I would be very grateful for that. Thank you so much. Join me again for future episodes. Mm-hmm.